0: So we're in Revelation chapter 3. We made it, yay. No rush through these letters to the churches, there's seven of them, we're in uh, five of seven. And I'm kind of uh, concerned because this is the one I like the least. And I last week I had no joy teaching in the sense that you know it's about Catholicism and what Jesus had to say was mostly condemning. Uh, this week, it'll be about the Reformation, and everything that Jesus says here is condemning. Now, the last three churches, two of them, God's going to say nothing good about. And there's one church, the Philadelphia church, that we all hope that we're part of, God's going to say nothing bad about. So that's going to, you know, it's going to be interesting. It's all or nothing in the next three churches that comprise chapter three. So uh, let's read, and then we'll uh, pray, and on we go. Okay, this is just the first six tr- verses. You think six verses, We should this would be a cakewalk, right? Yeah, we'll see. And under the angel of the church in Sardis write, these things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast the name, that thou livest and art dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember, therefore how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what with the Spirit, saith unto the churches. Lord, you've written this for a purpose. May we divine that purpose here this morning as you speak to individual hearts, as you speak to us collectively, as you speak to those who are tuning in over Facebook even, Lord, that you would just, and you know, we want to be the church that you want us to be, but we're we're, as each man each woman turns their heart to God, we'll become who you want us to become um if we're disobedient or foolish in your in, in these admonitions lord we're we're going to be left to ourselves our own and come what may so Lord, help us to hear with an ear that's uh, just wants to be obedient to you Lord and wants to you know be found faithful to the things concerning yourself we ask it in Jesus name. Under the angel, under the pastor, in my thinking, of the church in Sardis right now, last week I was saying, about, I think it's about A.D. 600, Catholicism as we know it would be devised, the papacy rises to the place where it becomes a a prominent place, and, and that church lasts till Jesus comes back, and you know that, in the last... The last four churches will be in that variety. The ones that when Jesus shows up, like the Protestant church, will Protestants be here when Jesus returns? Yes. Now, having said that, you're thinking like, okay, Catholic or Protestant, which one should we be? Well, he says at least some good things about Catholicism. He says, or, or the Catholic Church. He says nothing good about the Protestant church. So it's easy decision. We should all be Catholics. Listen, how do you? Because people would say, well, how do you get around that anyway? easy, easy, I am not, will not, and have never been a Protestant. <laughs> not even a little bit, not ever. You say, well, there's only Catholic and Protestant. Well, in your thinking, if you think in terms of binary, there's this or that. I remember, you know, talking with somebody about that. He accused me of being a Protestant. I told him I wasn't. He says you're certainly not a Catholic, because uh, he was on me about not being a Catholic. And I said, no, I'm not a Catholic. And so I'm a Protestant. I'm not protesting anything. And if you think in those terms, okay, where do you put uh, you know Paul the apostle? He was a Roman Catholic. (laughs) Yeah, he was a Roman citizen, but he he didn't. I, I don't think he identified with that. They were oppressor state. They were like you know. It's like saying you know. People from Tibet, Chinese, they wouldn't like you to say that. You know, it's, it's like, I probably shouldn't get all political. Or, or whatever I, you know, whatever oppressive regime comes in and oppresses people, and then, you know, the oppressed, you identify them with the oppressor. They wouldn't like that. Um, no, Paul, he was a Christian. There's no verse in the Bible that calls him a, a Roman Catholic or Peter. You know, he hated Rome. He, he, he wasn't even a Roman citizen. He was, he was under that empire. You know When Jesus was born, the Roman Empire occupied the promised land, Israel. But Peter and Paul and Andrew and James and John, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't consider themselves Roman or Catholic. Catholic just means universal, okay? That's the whole thing. And in that sense, we're all Catholic in the sense that the church is a universal entity. But in the sense that, you know, we look to the Pope for leadership. I don't know about you. I look to Jesus Christ for the leadership. The Spirit of Christ has given us the Holy Spirit for leadership, for guidance, for governance. And I don't look to any man. So that makes you a Protestant. Well, again, if you're thinking in terms of A or B, I'm, I'm just going to select C. I, I love Jesus. However you want to classify that or categorize that but like I say I'm not I'm not protesting I wasn't a monk who you know read uh, in Hosea the just shall live by faith and then just you know oh this changes everything and now I'm nailing you know 95 theses on the door of the Wittenberg Church that's not me now that was Martin Luther's uh, portfolio if you if you, his, if you didn't recognize that. And so we can kind of start, the Protestant Reformation starts properly, 1517, but there was hundreds of years before that, there was, you know, the Waldensians and and many different groups who just were faithful to Jesus Christ outside what we would call the Roman Catholic Church. So now, that's how I get around the Protestant Catholic question. I'm not either one. And, And by the way, I would say... Do what you want to do, but if I were you, I wouldn't be either one either. On the angel of the church in Sardis, you say, Adam, what does Sardis mean? Because you said that the names are really important. I think I misspoke a couple weeks ago. I was talking about Sardis. I said the name means name. No, no, that's not exactly right. The name is kind of, okay, okay those say it means those escaping. Or some people say it means remnant. But you can't really nail that down real hard because it's kind of ambivalent and is not really the word structure there so it really depends on who you read and who you like depend on for commentary some say well this is verifiably scripture it was a, it was a stone that was in the breastplate of the high priest so which stone which precious gem see again we're not exactly sure um some people say this this stone is this today this stone is this but they don't have that's not as crisp and, and as definitive as you would want it to be. It, it's just simply not. So there's really kind of a question about the origin of the name Sardis, uh, which I think is the point. I think is the point. It's a little bit ambivalent, and I think that is the issue. You have, these things say, him, him that have the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Okay, what are the seven Spirits of God. Well, from Revelation 1, uh, we think that's the entirety, the the complete spirit in heaven. Uh, Some say, well, it's from Revelation 11, the sevenfold aspects of the spirit of God. Select either one. I, I don't care. And by the way, whatever one you select, you're in good company. The mystery of the seven stars, which are stars from my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. Again, I think seven pastors, you could think angels in the sense of angelic beings. Again, choose either one. I'm, I'm fine with it. Um, so he's saying these things to a church that I know your works. Now that's how it's usually followed by like, look at, look at back in Thyatira, verse 18 um, verse 19 i know your works your charity your service your faith your patience your works and the 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 last to be more than the first you're growing in these things and we looked at that we said that's a good thing look at the works i know your works you have a name that thou livest and art dead ouch (laughs) where's the commendation there's none this is this is a fearful thing to me. This 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 gives me nightmares. Okay, you wonder what keeps me up nights and praying and all nerved up and verses like this. You say you got a name. You you you're supposed to be like life church. I don't see it. And he's not saying you're on life support. He says you're dead. You're thinking, well, let's all go home and forget about it. Maybe this is us. Well, we don't know it's us. Okay. Uh, I think there's elements of, of, of this in, in this church, and I think there's elements of the Philadelphia church, and I think there's elements of the Ephesian church, and I think there's elements of the Laodicean church, and this church and all churches that I know. But don't be judgmental, because I don't think it's about that. You know... Um, You ever read a verse and says, you know, uh, don't be greedy of filthy lucre, and you think, oh, like that pastor back along who, you know, when he absconded with the money, and he, oh, he was all about the money. I don't think that's how Scripture is supposed to be read. I just get a verse, and I assign it to somebody, and I don't ever look, and there's no introspection. The unexamined life, they say, isn't worth being lived. It's... I, I take the verses, I take them into heart, and, Lord, is this, is this me? Are you talking about me? Is this what you're talking to me about? Is this what you want me to repent of? And I think it's a lot better way, because we look at this, and we can assign, easily say, well, this church is like that. And I'm going to do a, that a little bit, but it's not my heart. I'm i going to show you what the scripture says. But I don't want to be anyone's judge. At the end of the day, only Jesus judges. But I, I, I do want to illustrate what we're talking about here. I I know your works. Look at verse uh, 8. He's talking about Philadelphia church. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door. No one's going to be able to shut that door until I want it shut. What's open door? Ministry opportunities, most of us will say. And we'll talk about that next week. Does he set before Sardis an open door? No, I don't want you to spread your death cult everywhere. You're nasty. You're dead. You're corrupt. You're rotting flesh. It's all about flesh at Sardis. You think I want you to... Have an open door and share with everybody your death? Isn't it weird, strange, unexpected that the Lord of life would call one of his churches dead? I mean, isn't Jesus all about resurrection? By the way, there's hope for this church, remembering Jesus is all about resurrection. Isn't it weird that he should say that to one of of his churches? Again, remember this. We talk about church, like think about church like you would think about church. You're driving through a neighborhood, you've never been there before, and there's a big steeple. And on the outside it says, First Baptist, First Congregational, United Methodist Church of whatever town you're driving through. You think church. Is that a church in the sense of being a congregation of saints who are on their way to heaven. Well, some of them would be and some of them wouldn't be, but you don't know from the exter- exterior, and you really don't even know from the name. You might have experiences, well, I went to this church and this kind of church in this kind of church. Nothing going on there that I want to be uh, you know, involved with. And again, we're ju- being a little bit judgmental, but maybe say, being fruit inspectors, however you want to say it, we're, we're discerning some things. But we don't really know what's going on in the heart of somebody, and that's why, at the end of the day, we're not, we're not judgmental. You, but you've you got a name, but it's, you're supposed to be alive. And so when Jesus is talking, he's talking about Christendom, like we would think of churches. He's not talking about the church, the bride of Christ, saved ones, necessarily. He's going to say Laodicea. Man, you make me want to throw up. You think he's saying that to his bride? And then he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens up, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. He's given an altar call to the church that he's outside of. You can't think of that as a Christian church, but you can think of it in the umbrella of Christendom again, okay? And that's what he's dealing with here. He's talking to, you got a few people there who are saved in, in the vernacular, my way of thinking. But it's kind of almost surprising to find them there in that, in that death cult. They're not a death cult like we're all about death and we want to spread death. It's just the idea of there's no life. It's not like they're purposefully trying to kill everybody. Uh, you, ha- you say you, you, you're alive, but you're not. You're dead. Be watchful and straighten the things which remain. Because I guess some of them, some of it is on life support. Straighten the things remain. You wouldn't say that to a corpse, but you'd say that to a living entity. Now you're saying, you know, the problem is we can't control what kind of church we're at. We can't control the report card that Jesus gives us. And I would say, au contraire. What, what's the sense of studying these things? Listen, were you spoken to by the Spirit of God when we talked about Ephesians? Were you challenged by the Spirit of God that you may have left your first love and you better think about you know, coming to the front and re- regaining that love. Have you? Th- did you think in those terms? Were you, did you pray in those terms? If we do, if we did, what a tremendous benefit that is. You weren't challenged by the Smyrna church because the a, a church that's being persecuted is, is a, al- always a pure church. But then, you know, we got to the church of uh, Pergamum, and, you know, there was that uh, Balaam doctrine there and there was the, the Jezebel doctrine in Thyatira which had to do with sex, sin, and other things. And we As the Spirit of God talking to you, you have an ear to hear. We do have a lot to say about our report card because he's going to judge accurately and we're going to get the grades that we deserve. We're not going to be judged on a curve or anything like that. And what he says about us are the things that he probably should be saying about us. And so take this right out. Be watchful and straighten things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Now we're talking in terms of individual, and we're talking about historical. Okay, let's say it means those escaping out of Catholicism, so they come to a Reformation place. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Now, historically, let me just tell you about the Reformation. Many good things. Soteriology, you say, what? what are you talking? Theology regarding salvation. By grace, through faith, quite apart from works. Did Luther get his arms around that and nail that? Yeah, nail that. It's a little bit of a pun there. You'll get it on the way home. You'll like it. Uh, yeah, he got that good. Did he get everything else good? <sighs> uh, his eschatology was as bad as his predecessor's much of the Protestant mainline denominations still have that putrid amillennialism. I don't think it makes uh, people a cult, but it makes them incorrect. And there's a lot, a lot of verses. We'll get into uh, the millennial kingdom and we'll, we'll talk about that. What do you do with this verse and this verse and this verse and this chapter and this whole passage and this section and this teaching? Oh, I think it's all uh, uh, symbolic. Really? But I think that's a because, you know, Calvin's no better. Um, in Switzerland, you had Zwingli, in uh, Norway, and Denmark, I think, I can't remember all, Anabaptists. And some of these just adopted Catholic. They, they changed that, okay, this is how salvation looks. But then they settled on a lot of things. Listen, I'm not a fan of Martin Lutheran. I am in some ways. The man was a genius. But in some ways, he was a flaming anti-Semite. Uh, you, you just look at some of his, the, 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 the spew that comes out of this man's pen against, against Jewish people. Where did he come up with that in the Bible? And so, so some Lutherans will say, well, yeah, but early on in his career, you know, he was trying to reach the Jews for Christ. And then when they rejected Christ, you know, then when they saw this rhetoric, come, I thought, what, what kind of excuse is that? You, you didn't listen to my word, now I hate you, and I can write all kinds of bad things about you? Really? Is that your defense? Because it's kind of weak. You want, might want to reexamine that. Um, so, uh, like I say, there were was, was some things that were, like, really, really... Okay, so what happened in, like, Germany, they embraced... Lutheranism, Lutheranism. So you become, you're born in Germany, you're an automatic Lutheran, you're added to the church. When you go to work, they take the tithe automatically out of your pay and send it to the church, which is also a government church. Great idea. How do you reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ? I'm a Christian, I'm a Lutheran. I was born right here in Christian Germany. What's your issue? And the same it was with Anglicans in England, the same as things as, you know, and uh, the... uh, I can't remember all the different groups and who's associated with what. It's... um, I almost had it. Anyway, up in uh, Scotland, it's the Presbyterians. And different groups, you know, settled geographically here. And, okay, you're born here, and you're this. And that's all there was to it. And they had infant baptism and a lot of crazy, uh, really bad ideas. And Jesus says... I've not found my works perfect before God, and I'm thinking, yeah, history says your works aren't perfect either. Your your theology, you reformed from. And by the way, you know I, I I will say on. I don't think Luther was trying to start a new religion. He wanted to reform Catholicism. He was a monk. He was in the Roman Catholic system, and he was a a clergyman in it. How do you reform something that's when the Pope speaks ex cathedra, he couldn't make a mistake if he wanted to. Huh, how do you backtrack? How do you walk that back? How do you how do you reform that? I was perfect. I, everything I say is perfect. It's it's more word of God than the word of God is. Now you're telling me to. I'm all messed up and I got to change it. Good luck. I mean, it never was going to work. It was. But his his Reformation, like I say, it fell short in so, so many ways. And you can see that through the mainline denominations even to this day. It's been hundreds of years. So in 1517, he nailed uh, 95 theses to the door of Wittenberg Chapel. And those were mostly against the selling, the buying of indulgences. What's an indulgence? Well, indulgence. Well, I'm going to go out Friday night and I'm going to get pretty crispy. I you know, I like to get all tanked up and, you know, hang out with my buds and throw dots and shoot pool. And you know what I mean? So then, you know, probably a fist fight will ensue because I'm pretty mean drunk. And then, uh, you know, probably some lady of the evening will entice me because that's the kind of. But I know that's going to happen. So I'll buy indulgences. So it's going to be OK. And it's kind of like my free get out of jail card. And it actually is. Less time in purgatory, time served, because I came up with the denarius and paid my way out. You're thinking that's wicked ungodliness. Yeah. And they built St. Peter's Basilica on selling of indulgences. And this man, Martin Luther, King, said that is absolutely ungodly. Because that's, that's correct. That's correct. So, you know, give him, give him that. Did he do everything right? No. Remember, therefore, thou hast received and heard. What? The gospel. Hold fast and repent. Repent is always the answer. As a dead church, can dead people repent? Yes, I did. I was dead in my trespasses and sin. I was dying. I was going to heaven. Spiritually dead. Dead, dead, dead. I repented. I asked Christ to forgive me. And he did. Listen, am I the only one here? Some say amen or raise your hand or something. is that that happen to you too? Oh, see how it works? You were dead and now you're alive. How does that work? Because Jesus takes what's dead and breathes life into it. He's awesome. He's so awesome. Repent. When you find yourself wrong with God, just repent. I was talking to a good friend yesterday. He was talking about what a knucklehead he was. And I'm like, he's talking about what knucklehead we were. I didn't argue with him because I know he was right. And I was telling him, you know, because we're talking about politics and stuff like every once in a while we end up there, don't we? I don't know how that works out. Anyway, I said, I'd vote for you for president right now. He says, Adam, I'm such a knucklehead. I said, I know. That's what I like about you, you you get it, you totally get it. Listen, if I was president of the United States, every day I would spend like I would get up at like two in the morning. I would spend my all on my knees and just Lord, I'm going to mess up today. I'm so going to, and I would just be like really cast on the spirit of God, which you should be anyway, all the time anyway. But if you understand, you're a knucklehead. Does the present administration run by people who know the knuckleheads? Now listen, don't judge. I mean. Maybe, maybe not, right? But God, but that's the problem. I think when people think like, "Hey, you got to vote for me. I'm awesome," Um, guess what? You're not. And we're always voting for lesser of two evils. You, You realize that, right? When you cast your ballot proudly, it's for a sinner. Jesus isn't on the ballot. I'm going to be happy when he rules. Okay? He's going to just come. He's just going to set up shop and he's going to rule and reign. And we'll start seeing that in chapter 6, okay? When he opens up the scroll, which is the title deed of the earth, but we'll get there. It's going to be awesome. His rule and reign is going to be righteous. It's going to be wonderful. Is there any corruption on the high, is there a deep state during Jesus' administration? Are there people behind the scenes, shadow government pulling strings? Not in Jesus' administration. Are we going to demand a recount? We are not. Is there going to be an electoral college done away with? He's going to rule, he's going to reign, and he's going to have the right to do so. And it's going to be awesome. And by the way, we we need a king. We don't need, you know what the problem with like, I think, you know, communist government, I, but I think also democratic government. we got level and levels and levels and levels and levels and levels of sinners. <laughs> and we see corruption. Huh? <laughs> who would have thunk it? You know, it's kind of hard. So we'll, we'll, we'll set the presidency right. We'll elect a man of God who's going to deal with senators and congressmen who are sinners and the Supremes are made up of sinners and the local... Whatever you got going here in the main state legislature, the Senate, the governorship, the, the local law enforcement people, sinners, 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 sinners. That's how it works. And it's always going to be fraught with peril because people, sinners have a penchant to sin. It's always a problem. I haven't found your works perfect for God. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and whole fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know the hour I will come upon thee. This is very important, okay? You've got to stay with me here. People say, Jesus is coming like a thief at night. Not to everybody. Only those who don't watch. This is very important. This is very important. This is one of those things that everyone gets wrong. You know, you ever hear and say, the truth will set you free? Wrong. Wrong. If you continue in my my, uh, words, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free, my disciples who are continuing in my word. Okay? There's like a little bit of a caveat on that. Now, everyone says, Oh, Jesus, come back. It's going to be like a thief at night. Oh, it's going to be like a thief at night. Oh, it's going to be like a thief at night. Will you just... Okay, learn now. Okay? I'm going to show you. That's that's one of those things that we get wrong. First Thessalonians chapter 5. By the way, is the thief at night a problem if you're awake, and you got security, and you got like the police on speed dial? and you got an equalizer tucked away in the nightstand. I'm not suggesting, I'm just... Is that a real, real problem to you? You know, has anyone ever been burgled, had your house broke into? No? You have? That must be a really horrible... No, it must be a really bad thing. Come home and your house is ransacked. What an invasion of privacy. You know, they just lost some stuff. It's like, yeah, ain't the worst thing ever happened to me, but... My my privacy, my, my house has been invaded. I'd, I'd really hate that. For, I, I'm trying to talk and turn. Okay, First Thessalonians chapter 5. Now chapter 4, we know that. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. We'll we we'll get there in a couple, three weeks. Chapter 5. But of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly the day and the Lord so cometh the thief in night. Aha! Adam, see! Remain calm. For when they shall say, who? They. Is that important? Are those pronouns important? Yeah, you're you. They are they. If I'm talking about them, am I talking about you? No, I'm talking about them. Does Paul know that? Yeah. You, You yourselves, you know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, sudden destruction cometh upon, who? You? No, them is that obvious? That's, a, that's like a praise God moment in my thinking. Oh, them, they're in a, they're in a heap of trouble. You? Uh, let's keep reading because it, it's going to be a real blessing. Sudden destruction comes upon them as travail upon a woman's child, and they shall not escape. Wednesday night we were saying, maybe it was last one, on the show. Travail, birth pangs, labor pangs are always emblematic of the tribulation. It's, and when the Holy Spirit is talking about labor pains, it's a, it's symbolic of the tribulation, okay? And what's ha- going to happen? They shall not escape. Are you going to escape? Well, of course you're going to escape. Them? Not not escaping. Why? Because they're them. They're not us. I mean, that's true. Thank you. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that the day should overtake you as a thief. Now, some of you say amen about that. Listen, listen. Jesus coming like a thief in the night. And we're like, so? I am so ready for that. Is destruction going to come upon me? No, I'm not them. I'm, I'm me. Yes. Brethren, you're not in darkness that the day should overtake you as a thief. Now, so when you talk about Jesus coming as a thief in the night, yeah, that's right, scripture. But it's not a problem to those who aren't in darkness. You are the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. So you can never go to sleep spiritually speaking, obviously. Obviously, right? For they asleep, sleep in the night, and they are be drunk a uh, drunk in the night. But let us who are of the day, us Christians, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, for an helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath. <laughs> That's the most, one of the most blessed verses. That, cause why has he not appointed us to wrath? Because you're not them, you're us. But to obtain salvation by the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep physically, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, as also you do. Revelation, Jesus coming as a thief in the night. Is that a problem? Not today, people. <laughs> it's coming, those who are, you know, night people. Oh my goodness, that's not going to go well. If you shall not watch, I will come upon you as a thief. Well, we're we'll watching. We're never asleep, spiritually speaking. And so we're like, yeah, come bring it, thief in the night. Great. I'll set out cookies. Well, I'll be there. I'll, it'll be wonderful. And we're looking forward to him coming like a thief in the night. He's not he's not gonna burgle us or it's it's like it's not very unexpected. You know those who have been stolen from, did Burglar send out invitations telling you announcements I'm gonna come at? No, that's the problem, isn't it? But if you're always awake, always alert, always vigilant, get all your ducks in a row, not so much of a problem. And that's what he's saying. If you don't do I'm gonna come at an hour uh if you are not awake, I'm going to come on you, a thief, and thou shalt not know the hour while I come upon you. You have a few names, even Sardis, which should not defile their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. That's almost a surprise to them. <laughs> you got a few people. That, listen, think about the worst, old, nastiest denomination, and shame on you for thinking it, but I do too. I think about like that church. Like I drive by, and, like it's like. A, is it a prerequisite to have a lady passenger? You have to be. Does she have to be gay? What, what's up with that? And if you go in there and you start interviewing people, you know, you're going to find some old crusty curmudgeon in the back who loves Jesus and is saved, and they've been there since they were born because their grandmother took them when they were a little girl or, or a young boy, and they've been there ever since just loving the Lord and probably grieved about what's um, I'm back on. But they don't know any better because they've always been there. There are always those few names in Sardis that's why some people say it's remnant, but the name doesn't really loan itself to that. There are a few names there in us which have not defiled their garments. And they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. How are you worthy to walk with Jesus when the whole thing's of grace? Well, you're worthy in the sense of grace. It's not You're not worthy in the sense of because you've been awesome and you haven't done everything right. That's not how any of us are worthy. And he gives us and that you should study that white all the way through. Um, you know, it's funny, because this church of Cyrus, it's, I didn't talk much about the city, it's built on a plateau. and On three sides, it's impenetrable defense because it's built on a plateau. On the south side, there's a road leading up to it. All you do is guard the south side, and nobody's that city's not going to fall. It's impregnable. And it fell twice. Uh, to Cyrus the Persian, who... You know, said to somebody, hey, listen, whoever finds a way into the city, I'm going to reward them handsomely. And Chuck even knows the name. I can't remember. So history tells us that one of the soldiers up above dropped his helmet. And then later on, somebody saw him. He had his helmet back on. They think, well, how did he get that? And they found a trail that led up to the city. And so, you know, a guy took a contingency of soldiers and went up there at night like a thief and Nobody was watching, nobody was guarding because they were so, you know, uh, overconfident that, yeah, this, guess what? Guess who's not defeating the city today? That army out there. And so it fell. And then about 214 years later, the exact same thing happened. This time it was the Antiochus Epiphanes. We know him from the abomination that causes desolation, fame. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, Put that aside, but later on, like I say, 200, and you think you would have learned your lesson. Same exact thing happens where people found their way into the city at night, and it was, and it, so the city fell, this impregnable defense fell twice. Uh, interesting to me. Uh, no, uh, you, you better think about it. I'm going to come on the as a thief. And the city dramatizes the fact that every time he says something, to them, it, it really hits home because you know some of the history, it's really, it's really helpful. So he that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. They shall walk with me in white, white raiment. Um, scripture says a lot about clothes. Our righteousness is as filthy rags, because you're going go to go eat lunch afterwards. I won't take it this time. To op- I won't take this opportunity to tell you what filthy rags means. It's vulgar in the extreme. It is nasty. It's not. We're not talking about. Yeah, I worked hard all day. I'm smudged. I got some dirt on me. No. This is, this is nasty, filthy rags. Now, twice in, in the Old Testament he says that. And both times it's filthy in different ways. Equally gross and equally detestable. Listen to what he's saying. Your righteousness is as filthy rags. He's not saying, your sin is as filthy rags. He's saying, your righteousness. The thing you do, that you count, you say, look at how awesome I am doing it. That is, to me, disgustable disgustable, disgusting, just vulgar, just ugly, just here I am, Lord, look at how awesome. He's like, uh, that's just <laughs> disgusting. Flesh. How do we how do we walk with him in white? He gives it to us. Our righteousness, our stuff that we dress ourselves in, is disgusting. What does he give us? White raiment. Every time we sing like that, clothe me in robes of righteousness, cover my, cover my nakedness with your grace, that chokes me up every time. That's exactly, I can't even talk about it. <clears throat> That's exactly what he's done for us. Isn't that awesome? We haven't, we haven't pulled ourselves up by our bootstraps and made ourselves holy and pure in Jesus Christ, we have holiness. He gave it to us. He took our sin and he gave us his righteousness. Good plan, Jesus. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. The same shall be clothed in white raiment and I will not blot his name out of the book of life and I will confess his name before my fathers and before his angels. Now, Everyone has a problem with this verse. I won't blot your name out of the book. Oh my goodness, can Jesus blot our name out of the book? It, wait. He's saying that for a blessing, right? He's saying, "I, I wouldn't do that," and then we gives rise to, "Well, if he didn't do it, why would he say that he wouldn't do it if he, unless he couldn't do it, or he, or he would? You're looking at it all wrong. So a guy is, a, a lady's concerned about a husband because her her his secretary at office is very pretty, and he's worried about him. She's worried about him running off with the secretary, and she he says to her, "Honey." I would never do that. I love you and you alone. Why does he say that? To threaten her or bless her? He's saying it to bless her. Adam, here's where your analogy stinks. He might end up running away with the secretary after all. No, you're wrong. This is where my analogy is made. We're not talking about some guy. We're talking about Jesus Christ who has promised you. I would never do that. And he's saying this to bless your heart. You know, uh, uh, imagine every time we sin, that's it. We're out of the book of life. Oh, Adam, I, I built him this dwelling place that he's never going to... Oh, Gabriel, you want to hear me that white out there? Oh, this is just... I'm so upset about this. Jesus just blots my name right out. White out. And I'm sunk. Cause I. Well, there's a level of sin. It's not like every little white lie, but there's a certain... I don't know where that line is. The wages of sin is death. Or maybe he would use a a magic marker. When I'm squeaky kind, you know, just squeak it out there, kind of add an insult to injury. Just squeak my name out, blot it all out. You can't see what it said under there. It's all black now. I you can worry about that. God bless you. I know this is a debateable. I know that. I know that. But here, and by the way, you can look at the book of life. Those names are written before the foundation of the world. And I said to you before, is it every name, everyone who's ever lived, written? And then he blots them out as they die without Christ? I I don't know how it works, okay? I mean, I'm not even going to profess to to know that. I will not spend one iota worrying about Jesus betraying me, or Jesus turning his back on me, or Jesus... Now, you're saying you should worry about your own self. I do worry about my own self. And I know that in me lives no good thing. In the flesh dwells nothing good. I get that. I totally get that. When I asked him for salvation, he saved me based on his promises, his goodness, his graciousness, graciousness not based on my track record. I trust him to save me. I trust him to keep me. If your message to me is trust him less and trust in yourself more, I'm No. No. All I'm saying here, and that debate rages on. We've been at it for like 500 years since the Reformation and before that even. Um, we, we can talk about that all the time. Here he's saying, "Hey, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that to you. I wouldn't. I'm, I'm, I'm good for my word. Don't, don't get worried about me blotting your name out of the Book of Life. Book of Life four times in the Book of uh, Revelation, and other times it goes back all the way to Exodus, Leviticus, I think, where." Moses saying, listen, um, if you go with us, good. But if not, blot my name out of the book. Remember that? The book of life is specifically interesting. You know, Old Testament's New Testament. It's, it's a kind of a it's a real blessing. You can study that out on your own. Here, yeah, I wouldn't blot your name out of the book of life. No, rather, I will confess his name before my fathers and before his angels. Think of that when you're in heaven. You remember that old show, Cheers, where, you know, every time Norm would walk in, the whole bar would go, Norm, imagine that in heaven, your name, just walking in, and everyone knows you, and everyone loves you, and they're so happy to see you. And she says, yep, Father, let me introduce Adam. My, my, I can't talk about that. (laughs) Anyway. I'll confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Just let it hear what it's saying there. The Overcomer gets white raiment. I'm not blotting your name out of the book. I'm going to confess your name before my Father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. It's going to help us define some who we are. Are we that are there elements of death in this church, or in our own individual lives, or listen? I'm not your judge. I'm your pastor. I love you. Listen. Strengthen the things that remain; they are about to die. Be watchful. The whole problem with the Sardis church is they weren't watchful. They were just resting on their laurels. They rest, hey, we got a name. We're the real deal. Jesus is saying, not so much. Remember how you have received and heard, and hold fast and repent. This whole thing's about. Holding on, keep on keeping on, steadfast, watchful. Those aren't bad words. Those aren't words that we haven't heard before. Jesus is not asking anything unworthy of us. You know, the question we, about blotting your name out of the book, how far do you have to go before you've gone too far? How close can I get to sin before I've stepped over? I got a better idea. How close can I get to God? How 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 far away from sin can I get? How, I don't want to find the, uh, the 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 outer reaches of of what's okay. I want to get as close to God as I can. And then we're never going to worry about that. We're never going to concern ourselves with that. Be watchful. Um, so you were waking up early. You were reading the Word. You were praying as a couple. You were what? What I, I, your your life at one point was? You were on fire for the Lord. You were so excited about the things of the Lord. Now you're like, eh, yeah, no, I love Jesus. I, you know, whatever. I know this is true of you sometimes because it's true of me sometimes. I lose that that edge, that intensity, that fervor. Sometimes I let other things creep in. I let my life get busy or what do we got to do? I don't know, just keep the main thing the main thing. What are we all about? We're all about the Lord. I mean, the only thing a hundred years from now, you know, I had a job that was, until recently, it was kind of taken over a lot of areas of my life. It just was. It was just kind of one of those things you had to think about the next day and you had to plan stuff like this. I think God relocated me so that I had a chance to refocus and, you know, just Make, again, make the main thing the main thing, and I think it's a—he'll do that for us. He doesn't want us to stray. Remember, there's no a wall he won't kick down, no mount he won't climb up. There's—he'll, he'll, and maybe just use this as a wake-up call. You have an ear to hear. Hear what the Spirit's saying to the churches. I don't, I don't want you to be dead, guy. I don't want you to be sleepy, not watching. I, I don't want that i'm not i'm not interested in that i want you to be life and vital and first love stuff how about you guys Why don't you come on up here and we'll we'll go out singing let's stand we'll pray Lord we don't want to be this is a lousy church we don't want to be this help us to uh if we're there if any of us are there and i dare not even Think of you know, but I, just for my own self, Lord, I want to be watchful. I want to strengthen the things that are made. I don't I, I remain. I don't want to. I don't want to die. I I want you to find my works perfect before God. I want you to Spirit of God help me to repent and turn from ickiness and lethargy and I, we we just want to be on fire for you. I mean, I think I'm speaking for everybody here. We just want to be the real deal. Help us to make these decisions as individuals. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.